we've been in a message series called Asking for a Friend. And what we've been doing is we've been exploring some of the questions that everybody has when it comes to faith, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God. Okay, in the first week, we talked about questions involving bad words and morality and hypocrisy. And I really think I must have struck a nerve with that one because I'm still getting texts from people um, and the words that they're using. Um, and one text said last week, they said, anytime I use a bad word now, I feel like I got a little angel Jimmy on my shoulder going, is that nice? <laughs> so um, anyway, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and check that out online. Um, and then last week, we ventured into the realm of evil. You know, this is a question that just keeps coming up because there's so much suffering and pain in the world. We go through so much. So we, we talked again about how the world came to be broken and how God devised a plan to rescue us from the brokenness. And for those that accept him, he promises an eternal home in a perfect place and that he will right all the wrongs. But until that time comes, what we gotta remember is that God's presence is with us and he loves us through everything. So today, I want to look at another very common question I get, okay? This comes around all the time because so many things change in our lives. And here's, here's the question. It's, preacher, how can I know what God wants me to do? Like, when do I know when the time is right? Or, or how do I know that this is God's will for me? Or what can I do to understand what God wants for my next step? Because, preacher, I just don't know. And I need a lot of help. And and you know, what's so great about this question, when people ask me this, is that people understand that not only is there a God, but that God created them and that God loves them and that God has a plan for their lives. And I hope that you understand that as well. That when you accept Christ, he comes into your life, you're adopted into the family of God, And God's plan, he wants to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. So what he wants to do is he wants to guide you through life and help you live into his plan. You see, I believe that God cares about every detail in your life. It says in the Bible, he knows how many hairs you have on your head or the lack of hairs on your head. It all matters to him. There's nothing in your life that's insignificant to God. And not only does he care about you, but I think that God wants you to know what he wants for you next. And as great as that sounds, it's not always easy to understand God's plan. It's not always easy to understand God's purpose, right? Like, I know that he loves me. I know that he created me. I know that he wants good things for me. But but how do I know? I cannot be certain. Can I really know what God wants for me next? You know, wouldn't it be great if we could just open up our Bible and stick our finger on a verse and like that be the way that God tells us what's next? Or or wouldn't it be great if you're just walking outside and God just spoke through the clouds and was like, hey, and just told you what you're supposed to do? I remember, I think I told you this story, but I remember taking a job in Cordial. They just built this activity center. I was 22 years old and I was walking around grabbing something out of the gym And I heard very faint, I was in there all by myself, and I heard very faintly coming from above a voice that said, Jimmy. And I looked around, and I was like, God? And it said, you have a call on line five. (laughs) 
I was like, it'd be nice if somebody told me there's an intercom system in the gym because it really freaked me out, right? But wouldn't it be great if God did that, right? So this question, it comes up a lot. And I know, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, but, but in that message, what we were dealing with was the question in morality, the question between right and wrong, like the question between good and bad, which really isn't a hard question to answer. Like, you, you know, we know what we're supposed to do. The problem is we don't always do it, right? It's, it's not really hard to understand sometimes when it comes between, when the question's between a good and a bad thing, right? We know that we should go with the good. We just don't always do that. But what do you do when both options are good? Like, what do you do when it could go either way? Like, I, does God want me to choose this or does God want me to choose that? You know, so I have these conversations all the time. I have conversations before church. People come early to church and they'll grab me and they pull me aside and talk through these things or, or, or at the office or I've had these questions, you know, happen in the cereal aisle at Publix. You know, people just with big life questions. And, and they're between two good choices. You know, like, should my kids change schools? They're both good schools. Should I take this new position? Both positions are good. And then there's more difficult questions, like, should I even, should I have kids? Will I ever become a parent? Should we move locations? And then some people are facing really big changes now that the kids are moving out of the house or now that they're getting close to retirement and what does God want for me next? I'm in this new stage of life. Like, and it's in those moments that people come up to me and they want to know what God wants. They're looking at me like, what does God want me to do? And I wish I could tell you. Like, I wish that I could tell everyone every detail that God wants for your life. But unfortunately, I don't even know that about my own life. Like, I don't even know every detail of what's going to happen to me next. And if I'm not always sure about me, you know, then I'm surely not going to be sure about you. I'll give you a big example. Getting this church into a permanent home has been our goal. And to fill you in on the details, all of you know at our last charge conference, we told you that we've put some plans together and we've got it bid out. And we're expecting those bid numbers in really soon. And when we get those figures back, we'll meet, we'll have some major decisions to make. And we'll keep you all posted the entire way through. But when it comes to timing and when it comes to prices and when it comes to land development, when it comes to multi-million dollar bank loans, there's a lot to consider. And there's a real need for us to make sure that we understand God's will because this is an important decision. And I'll be honest, I'm really excited, but I don't know every detail. We'll know more soon. But in the meantime, what I'm doing is I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God to continue to lead me, to continue to lead us. So this question of what does God want me to do next, or what is my next step, or what's his will for me now, that's a question that everyone faces, and it happens all the time. So here's what I want to do today. I want to help you get in a better position to hear from God. Okay, I want to teach you a few things today that will get you in the best position possible to understand what God wants for you next. And a great example of this, and I'm going to share a story with you today that I don't know that a lot of you even know exists in the Bible, but it's a great story of someone who put themselves in a unique position to hear from God, and it involves the Apostle Paul. And y'all know the Apostle Paul. If you're not familiar with Paul, 
He's the one that wrote like half the New Testament, okay? And, and I mean, if anybody should know what God wants for them to do next, it's the guy that wrote some of the Bible, right? Well, it turns out he had some important decisions. But as I learned more about him, you know, I began to think, maybe it wasn't so easy for Paul either. Maybe he had that same question that we all go through when it comes to understanding what God wants for him. So there was a time in Paul's life, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but before Paul got into the heart of his ministry that he took three years off. He just went MIA for three years. Okay, he he went away. And he spent some time preparing and searching. And how do we know that? Because in the book of Acts, you don't read that. The, the, Acts, the, the, the story of Acts shows how the church got started and you know, led through all the details of what was next. And in Acts chapter 9, it just kind of glosses over this. It doesn't really venture into this story on Paul. But in the book of Galatians, Paul begins that letter to that church by filling them in on his calling. Okay, And I want to share this with you because Paul does a few things in this moment that really puts him in a good position to hear from God. So let's start here. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 16. It says this. Immediately after my calling, this is Paul talking to this church. He says, immediately after God called me, without consulting anyone around me, and without going up to Jerusalem to confer with those who were apostles long before I was, I got away to Arabia. And then later I returned to Damascus. But it was three years before I went up to Jerusalem. All right, let's talk about this for just a minute. Let's talk about Paul's calling. You may remember, but Paul used to be a guy named Saul. Okay, And you may remember the story of Saul on the road to Damascus where he was going to put Christians in jail. Okay, And that's where he meets the resurrected Savior, and he has a life-altering experience, okay? And from that moment on, he begins to realize that Jesus has big plans for his life, okay? And God's big plans for him is to preach the gospel message, okay? But not just to preach to anyone, but he wanted Paul mainly to go and preach to those who weren't Jewish, to take the message to the rest of the world, to the Gentile world. And y'all, this is a big ask. And it was probably very confusing for Paul because Paul was such a prominent Jewish person. I mean, he talks about it. He talks about everything that he accomplished and how high up the hierarchy he was. And now he's being asked to, to go a different route. So before he started the gospel tour that we're all familiar with, you know what he does? He takes some time. He got away. He went to Arabia for a few years because I'm sure he had a lot of questions. Now now that he knows that God has called him, now that he's had this personal experience with Jesus, and he knows God has a, a plan for him, but he's probably wondering, like, when does it start, and how will it all work, and what, what do I expect, and, and where do I go next, and, you know, who do I talk to? All this stuff, all these questions that run through our mind. When we understand that God's pulling us in a certain direction, but we don't know all the details just yet. So Paul gets away. So while we're in Paul's story, let me share a couple of important points that I believe helped him understand God's will that I believe will help you and me understand God's will also. Number one is this. Number one is be quiet. 
Okay, if you got your message notes open on the app, go ahead, um, open those up. We're going to fill in some blanks. Everybody online, let's do this together. Number one is you got to be quiet. Don't you think this was the biggest reason that Paul went to Arabia? And just so you know that this term is used just for a broad location. It encompassed a large area at the time. I think it was Paul's way of just saying, you know what? I got away. I got away. And what did he do while he was away? I think it's safe to assume that he concentrated. He concentrated on God and God's word. He used that time to just really draw close to God. You know, hearing from God and being in a relationship with God is just like any other friendship. That The longer you talk to somebody, the longer you listen to someone, the, the, the more you spend time with someone else, the, the more you're going to understand what they think, who they are, what they expect. And the same thing is true with God. So, so many people come up to me and they're like, Jimmy, I just don't hear God speak. Like, why won't God talk to me? Why won't God make this clear to me? And you know what? Sometimes I think that God is speaking. I just don't think that we're always very good at listening. Do you want to know why you might not be able to hear him? Let me give you two possible reasons you're not hearing him very clearly. Number one is because you're not spending enough time being quiet. You know what you're probably doing instead? Same thing I'm doing. You're looking at your phone. You got your earbuds in. You're watching Netflix. You're thinking about what you're going to post online or you know, you're listening to the news all the time. You can't hear God speak when everything else is turned up around you. I was thinking about this the other day when I walked into the room and Shannon's working on the computer and I'm standing behind her. And I'm just, you know, I just walk in the room and I just start talking. I'm just, you know, just going on and on and on and on and on. And then I'll pause and wait for Shannon to respond and nothing. She doesn't say anything. And what I didn't realize is that because of her long hair, I can't see that she has her earbuds in. <laughs> So she can't hear me talking at all. And not only that, but she's not even looking in my direction. So there's no way to even know that I'm there. Everything's turned up. And I wonder if that's just like God. If he's going into our lives, like walking into our presence, just talking, 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 but we don't even see him. Because we're not looking in his direction. And we don't hear him. Because everything else is just turned up around us. But let me take you back to the story of Elijah. Do y'all, y'all know this story? First Kings, Elijah's trying to hear from God. God tells him to go out to the opening of the cave in the mountain. And it says that a violent storm came up and that storm, it blasted the mountain rocks and stuff is falling and every, all this kind of stuff is happening, but God wasn't in the storm. And then came this powerful earthquake that just shook everything, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then came this scorching fire that just ate up everything in its path, but God wasn't in the fire. And it wasn't until everything died down that Elijah heard the whisper. It says in 1 Kings 19, it says, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And the whisper was the voice of God. You can't hear a whisper when your life is turned up. That's the first reason so many of us don't hear from God. The second reason is because we're not in God's word enough. I like the way Warren says it. He says, God's will is found in God's word. It's actually that simple sometimes. 
Maybe stop looking for a vision from God, you know, something to pop out, like something that's just supposed to be out there for us that grabs our attention. Maybe stop looking for a vision and start looking for a verse. Maybe stop looking for God to write it in the sky and realize that he's written it in his word. So when it comes to listening and reading, that brings me to a good question. Where is your Arabia? Like, just to know that Paul used this term broadly, just to, it could have been anywhere. Just to kind of get this idea out there that he just got away. Like, where's that place for you? Do you have a place that you can remove yourself, get quiet, and concentrate, and read God's word? Because if it was important to Paul to spend this much time and arguably one of the most important people in the New Testament, if it was important to Elijah, arguably one of the most important prophets in the Old Testament, then, then how important is it for us? So, so when it comes to knowing God's plan for you and what to do next, when you got that question, and if you don't have that question now, you will, maybe the first thing we need to consider is, are we spending time? Are we listening and reading? Because it's important. And then the second thing that I think that this teaches us is to be patient. Another great thing Paul did was he took the time to make the right decision. I love this. You see, Paul didn't get in a hurry. It says that Paul took three years, and three years sounds like a long time. That kind of is. But when you think about the trajectory of Paul's life and what God was asking him to do next and where he was leading him and where he was telling him to go or where he was feeling this tug, it made sense that Paul took so much time. Like, I can understand that. And I think that we can learn from that example because when it comes to understanding what God wants for us next, man, we shouldn't get impatient. We shouldn't get frustrated We shouldn't think that, you know, i got to make this decision right here and right now. What we've got to do is we've got to trust God's timing. And you know what I've learned from God? As much of, as many times as I'm in a hurry, God God is not in a hurry. God's not rushed. In fact, I've, I've learned that a good decision is better than a fast one. And that's important to remember because we live in a culture that gets really excited about making decisions really quickly, thinking on your feet. But how many times, how many times have we messed up? How many times have I messed up because I rushed it? Because I rushed ahead of the process and I got ahead of God. Man, I do that so often. So you know what? Take it from me. Don't take it from me. Take it from Paul. Take it from Paul. Paul who spent three years. Don't rush it. You know, if it's God's will, it will be. Like, it doesn't have to happen today or tomorrow. And that's, that's what you think. Well, we kind of live in this society that wants things right now. Like, I get upset when I got to wait in the drive through lane more than five minutes, right? I expect it right here, right now, right? But that, that's not how it works when it comes to God. If you want to follow God's will, his, his will will prevail. Proverbs 20 puts it this way. An impulsive vow is a trap impulsively making those decisions, later you'll wish that you could get out of it. Let me give you another great verse. I like the way the message paraphrases Romans 3.28. Paul writes this, our lives need to get in step with God. 
We need to get in step with God. And all others by letting him, God, set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. When it comes to those life decisions, let's not get ahead of God. We gotta let him set the pace because scripture teaches us that God is perfect. You know what? If God's perfect, that means his timing is perfect also. Let me share one more verse with you. I love this one. This one comes from Psalm 34. You alone are my God. My times are in your hands. You know what? Maybe this could be your prayer. Maybe you need to jot this down and put this to the side. Maybe you're trying to rush something and you're wondering, why is this taking so long? Maybe pray this and say, you know what, God? Whenever it comes to this decision that I gotta make, I'm just gonna hand it over to you and I'm not rushing it. My time is in your hands. I'm gonna let you set the pace because I realize that your timing is perfect. So two things right off the bat that we can learn from, from Paul here is, you know, that, that, that taking time away to be quiet and listen and not rushing ahead of God, that's, that, that his timing is perfect, it's so good. So let's go back to Paul. What happens after this three-year hiatus? Like, what does Paul do next? Like, is he ready? Does he jump out and he's like, I'm ready, let's go? Does he just jump in and get started? Not yet. Let me take you back to the story and find out what he does next. He keeps writing and he says this. He says, later I returned to Damascus. But again, it was three years before I went up to Jerusalem to compare stories with Peter. And I was there only 15 days with Peter. But man, what days they were. Can't you just hear the excitement in his voice when he talks about meeting with Peter? This is so great. And it brings up three more quick points I want, I want you to consider when it comes to knowing God's will. The, the third point is this, be friendly, okay? Be friendly, and here's what I mean by that. Seek the counsel of wise friends. I want you to notice that Paul doesn't just go to anybody, okay? He doesn't call up his old high school buddies. He doesn't get the work crew back together. Not that they are bad people or anything like that, but what does he do? He specifically goes to Christian believers, Most scholars think that he went to Peter because he wanted to know more about God's word, Jesus' teachings, right? And not only does he go to Peter, but if you keep reading, it says that he also goes to James, the brother of Jesus. So here's what this teaches me. Here's, Here's what this shows us, is that when we have a major decision and we're trying to figure out what to do next or where to go next or when to do it, what we need to get is the perspective of other Christian believers in our life. Other people who who know scripture and who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We may even go so far as to say that we need to get some traveling companions to go through life with. You know what, let me just ask you. Who helps you keep your life on track? Like, Like who do you have in your life that you can reach out to? Who do you have that you can spend time with? Those people, that group, They really know and have a relationship with Jesus that when you meet with them, you come out of that meeting and you're just feeling more refreshed and encouraged. Who are the people that you know who who know and love Jesus, but who know and love you and are willing to tell you the truth? Proverbs 11, 14 says this. Without good direction, people lose their way. But the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. If you want to be safe and not sorry, you got to seek advice. 
But you know what? Here's the deal. A lot of times, I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes we don't want to ask those questions. We don't want to go to other people because we don't want other people thinking bad about us. We don't want other people thinking that we're struggling or that we don't know, right? We got to keep this image up, right? We don't want other people to think we're weak. But you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible says that the people who are willing to go ask for advice to get help on the next steps, that need Christian involvement and understanding, those people are wise. That you're really smart when you do this. In fact, Proverbs 12, 15, it puts this this way. It says, a fool is the one that thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man, he's the one that listens to others. So when it comes to making those decisions, you know, I got to... I got to get a good group. That's why we push our groups so much. That's why we have men's groups and ladies' groups and Bible studies. We want you to have those people in your life. We've got to ask great Christian believers for help. And then when we ask them, we, get, we need to ask them to do something else. Point number four is this. We got to be prayerful. Be prayerful. Ask the other people in your life to pray for you and with you. You see, don't you think that when Paul went and met with Peter, don't you think that they prayed together? I bet they did, and I bet it was amazing. And the reason I can jump to that conclusion is because every time Paul writes a letter, he's always asking for prayers. Like, he's always asking churches. He's always asking people to be his prayer partner. In fact, I love this in Romans fifteen thirty. He wrote this. He wrote this to this church. He said, will you be my prayer partner? Pray much with me for my work. How awesome is that? What would it be like to be a prayer partner with Paul? But you see, Paul knew how important this was. He knew, man, it's great to have other believers helping me pray through this decision. In fact, you know what? While we're talking about it, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to ask all of you in here to be my prayer partners. You know, I don't want to be the only one praying for the future of this church. I don't want our leadership being the only ones that are praying for the future of the church. I don't want the staff to be the only ones that are praying. I want you to help pray for the next steps of this church and for our permanent home. And I hope that you'll help me pray. Just pray that God would lead us in the right direction. Prayer partners make a difference. It's important to have that good set of people around us helping us make those decisions, to have them praying with us. And then there's one last thing that I want to share with you. Number five is this. We got to be determined. Five is be determined. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up. When God seems to be taking his time or when we don't know or we can't understand or we don't know if it's ever going to happen, don't give up. I have this feeling that Paul never gave up. Three years in, he's still going. He's still seeking. He's still asking. He's still praying. And how do I know that? Because he jumps in after the three years are up and he's ready. After he meets with Peter. You see, I think that, I think that Paul was doing exactly what Jesus taught us in Matthew 7, 7. Look at this uh, verse. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. When you want to know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. I think Paul was doing a whole lot of asking, seeking, and knocking. 
You know, a more accurate translation of this verse is to keep on. Uh, imagine writing keep on in front of that. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In other words, don't give up. This attitude that I am never going to give up. I, I got a white knuckle grip on this, God, and I am coming to you because I want to hear. I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to wait on you, but I'm not going to give up asking, and I'm not going to give up seeking, and I'm not going to give up knocking. And you know what, while we're asking God, it means that we're also seeking the help from other people, okay? We're also, you know, seeking prayer partners with others, but we're also knocking. And what that means for me is that I keep knocking and I keep taking some initiative in this. You know, I'm patient, I'm waiting on God, but at the same time, I know God's gonna do his part, I wanna do my part, so I'm gonna keep knocking on doors, looking for possibilities, trying things out, and see when a door opens and when a door doesn't open, so that I place myself in a position to hear from God and to move forward when God opens that door. So this happened, this happened to me about 15 years ago when I was at my first appointment. I started feeling this tug in my heart like I was supposed to be doing something different, but I didn't know what it was. And so that whole time, man, I was just asking and asking and I kept asking God and kept asking God. And at the same time, I kept knocking on different doors, seeing if this was a possibility, if this was a possibility. Could it, could it mean, could this tug mean going here or going there or this ministry or that ministry? And sometimes the door remained shut and so I, I didn't go through that because God wasn't opening that door. But I kept knocking. And, and eventually I knocked on the door of the South Georgia Conference for new churches. And then once, I, once that door kind of opened, then I began to seek guidance and I kept seeking, and I kept seeking from, from those in church leadership to see if this is the right path for me and what God wanted for me next. And through that whole time of asking and seeking and knocking, it took years. But it became clear. And I think it's the same thing for Paul. Paul, through this whole time, he kept asking, seeking, and knocking, and it became clear. Came clear what he was supposed to do next. Let, let me finish this out. Verse 21, he tells the church, he writes this in Galatians, he says, Then I began my ministry. Then I began my ministry in the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And after all that time, after all that activity, I was still unknown by face among the Christian churches in Judea, but there was only this report. The man who once persecuted us is now preaching the very message he used to try to destroy. That was Paul's previous life. But their response was to recognize and worship God because of me. So after this time away, in solitude, seeking advice from others, Paul was ready. He was ready for this next opportunity. He was ready for what God wanted. I'm sure he, he didn't have it all detailed out. He didn't have all the plans, but he knew what he was supposed to do next. And Scripture says he began his ministry in Syria. And everyone who heard Paul preach knew that he was appointed by God. And they were all amazed. So, you know, when that question comes for, what does God want for me next? Like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Or when it comes to this, both decisions are good. I could go this way or this way. Like, how do I know? Maybe try being quiet. Don't rush it. Be patient with God. Allow God to set the pace. Grab a few good Christian believers to talk through. Get some wise counsel around you. Get some prayer partners. 
And whatever happens, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Because he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And he wants to tell you. Let's pray. God, you know, if we're honest, sometimes we make things more difficult than they need to be. Sometimes, God, we get confused and we wonder and we question what you want for us. But to be honest, we also, we don't really give you any time or space to really speak into our lives. God, I thank you for this reminder this morning that you do want good things for us and that you do have a good plan for us, that you know every detail of our life and that you, that, that you want to talk to us and, and tell us what we need. So God, help us to take the initiative and to be quiet, to gather with our church family, to really pray and to really come after you. Because we know that the Bible teaches us that if we seek you, we will find you. That's a promise. So God, I pray for every person in here that has a decision to make. And God, I I pray, even if they don't have a decision to make, I know they will. God, I pray for those decisions that involve work and and kids and and family and finances and, and sickness. God, I just pray that you would speak and that you would guide. And more than anything, God, that you would help us feel your presence. Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you that you're always with us. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.